Hello all you seekers, explorers and rule breakers out there. Welcome to the Alchemy Experience podcast. In this episode I have a very special treat for you. I have a guest uh, that is extraordinary in her pursuit of her desires and how she approaches life in general. She is a super connector, intuitive coach, speaker, bender of reality extraordinaire. Her name is Barbie Layton. She is from California, but a world citizen, traveled all over the world several times over. And she's taken the opportunity this year, 2020, during the COVID-19 epidemic to take her journey to a new level, learning how to shed her old skin and learning how not to be afraid to step into her own greatness. And when the universe comes knocking, for her to say yes. She is one of the most passionate, genuine, authentic cheerleaders I've ever encountered and I'm uh, grateful to call her my friend. And Barbie's cat, Pharaoh, will chime in now and then during the call. Barbie is going to be very busy this year. She's going to speak at the Best You uh, Expo in Miami, 15th and 17th of January. London, 5th and 7th of February, where she'll be actually interviewing me. And uh, in Dubai, uh, 18th to 20th of March. She will also uh, feature in... Uh, the Best You TV on uh, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Google Play, and Apple TV later in the year. So, um, without further ado, I'm going to bring on Barbie, and this show being called Bend It Like Barbie, you will understand after you listen to this amazing woman. Tell me, Barbie, how did you get started? Well, um, a lot of people, I know... uh... A lot of people in Google and other things, Vishen Lakhiani has told us that people who've gone through trauma and gone through a lot of different things um, really are in a lot of ways the people that really decide that they need to go do self-growth work because ultimately their life isn't working the way that it is and they've gone through different traumas in their lives. And for me, um, I was just recalling that at seven and eight years old, I used to literally get into my mom's high heels. I would put on a satin nightgown and I would have a baseball bat and I would literally dance around my, my living room, singing to the top of my lungs in front of thousands of people, et cetera. So I've always kind of been a, a show person, uh, you know, dance, theater, art, drama. Uh, in third grade, I was uh, uh, in Oliver Twist playing Nancy. And it's like, so I, I kind of have been born to be in front of people, but a lot of times people really didn't like me being in front of people. So um, most of the time since I was kind of this, very non-conformist person, when you're non-conformist, people really try to marginalize you or, or, or put you down for being that. So I dealt with a lot of extreme bullying growing up, um, unfortunately, to the point of where I had a hell ride of 30 minutes to and from school of people that would spit on me, they would call me names, they would scream at me. And there were so many times where I had to disassociate from my body because it was just, um, it was absolutely awful. And mm -hmm. Back in those days, bullying was considered legal and nothing that you complained about, the school would do anything about. Right. So from that kind of harshness, you would think that that would make me want to conform, but it made me actually even more defiant and even more of a rebel to say, I'm not going to let you in. So from about um, the age of um, my junior year of high school, I ended up going to Austria. And when I went to Austria, 
all of the people there were so warm and welcoming and fun. I went to every party, went to every event. They knew me by my first name. And it was this epiphany that it wasn't me. It was just the fact that I was the scapegoat in the community that I had grown up in, because that's a biblical thing. You know, everybody has a scapegoat mm -hmm. that they take all their issues out on. So that happened to have been me. But it also made me so strong, made me really, really strong. And the only unfortunate thing about being in Austria, that was 1985 and 1986. All of the fresh food all came from the snow-capped mountains. And in 1986, that's when Chernobyl blew. And I was within the 100-mile radius of that. So we were very highly irradiated with our food, et cetera. So within, um, from my age of 17 to 18, I gained 185 pounds in 10 months. My, my whole entire system just went wacko. Nobody could figure out what was going on. And I was literally double my size. It was wow. just all of a sudden. And so I think that when you have these different identities that you, you experience in a way, it's like, I'd always been chubby and, you know, muscular, but to be like morbidly obese like that, that's not anything that is anything close to normal. Um, and so I wore that body for about 12 years. And at that time, I was just really, really seeking for answers. So one of my first entrees into self-help was Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life book. I felt mm -hmm. like that was just such a, a mind a groundbreaking book because of the fact that she had the ability that everybody that worked with her affirmations who had HIV at the time, they lived longer than anyone who had any medication. And it was truly from the sheer power of their minds. Um, I've always been gifted. I've always had um, kind of psychic senses, but they'd never necessarily been um, kind of activated in the way of where I could channel them in a, in a positive way. So instead, a lot of times I got told like I was too much, the volume was too high, you know, all that kind of stuff that, you know, you need to turn the volume down. If I went to a party and I was really angry, the whole party was a bad experience. If I went to a party and I was really happy, everyone had a blast. So it was, it was this really weird kind of like almost feeling responsible for mm -hmm. the vibe that I was carrying. So I kind of shut it down. But then from there, I started looking into more metaphysical type of things. I was able to find, um, not find, actually had an inner voice that guided me to find um, a tarot deck. There were a lot of different things that I just kind of picked up naturally. Um, I started doing a dream journal. I started singing the hue in the, in the, in the early nineties. And I realized that there was such a transformational thing. I know that there's a, a tradition in India called Sant Mat that focuses on the hue. The Sufis focus on it. The Hawaiians focus on it with Huna and the Hukai um, ceremony that they do on the beach. Um, it, it's also in, in, in Islamic religion and the Allah for which is Alleluia. Mm -hmm. So from being able to tone and chant and do those things on a regular meditation basis, I'm not going to say that my life got easier, but by the same token, there were all these beautiful coincidences and miracles that would happen that were totally unexplainable and could not have been something that I orchestrated myself. So that was where it was like leaning into that and just really, really feeling into that. And then in 2001, um, I ended up getting gastric bypass surgery and I, you know, released a lot of the extra pounds, et cetera, as you will. So I'm basically about half the size that I was before and I'm still, you know, a big Nordic woman basically, but I'm okay with that. I'm completely comfortable in my own skin. It's something that by giving myself permission to be comfortable with myself, I give other people, especially women and young girls permission also to do the same. Absolutely. So that's basically, um, then in 2004, I enrolled at University of Santa Monica and I got my master's degree there, which was amazing. And that's a world famous program. Um, I know that you know about the documentary that I was a part of with the freedom to choose. 
which is based on Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning about the idea that even those people who were in the Holocaust, the ones that survived were the ones that had hope and the ones that did not have hope, they did not. And so he was really observing that from a psychologist's perspective. Um, and that was a beautiful experience because those, those women were in, they, they're still in maximum security prisons, but they created honor dorms for themselves because they realized that they were divine beings having prison experiences and they didn't have to, to buy into that version of themselves that had basically landed them there in the first place. So from there, um, I kind of like did my own thing, but then I, I know I signed up for Mindvalley when it was first with Bert uh, Goldman with the quantum jumping. I just thought that was so amazing. And staying on Vision's kind of mailing list, he had, I think consciousness engineering was his one website that's no longer valid. And then um, in the last two years or so, he just really reinvented himself. I mean, mm -hmm. if you go back and look at, at videos of him two years ago, he doesn't even look like the same person. He's like, Benjamin Button, he's like aging backwards. <laughs> he's just, you know, he's doing 17 projects and he's so chill and so present with every person that he interviews, et cetera. So I just, you know, once the All Access came out, I started with the Life Book in October, 2019, and then went to Marissa Peer, then went to Christine Marie Sheldon. And then this year has just been this amazing acceleration in a way that I have never seen. It, it, I do honestly feel like I'm channeling quantum physics. Like this is literally something of where it, it's it's phenomenal and to now land on the main stage with other people who are you know thought leaders and to be able to call up other people and say i have a greenlit tv show in 2021 that will give you an opportunity to possibly be in front of 200 million people on demand 24 hours a day that they can pick and choose as they want because that's something i'm really really finding is really important christopher is that right now people have so many choices and they are totally choosing who they want to bring into their living room yeah. Because my message isn't necessarily 100% unique. Other people are saying a lot of the things that I'm saying too. But if I'm resonating with people and they want to connect with my energy, that's the most important thing. So the people that are going to be connected to you are going to want to find you because you're you. Absolutely. No, and I, I resonate that, with that very deeply because early in my practice, I started saying, you know, if I can help only one person with one of the things I say, that's enough for me. I'm happy yep. with that. And yep. so it's because otherwise you end up in this competitive uh, mindset mm -hmm. that, yep. oh my God, I can't say this because that other person said that. But it's mm -hmm. the way you say it, it's the words you use, the, the mm -hmm. approach you take, uh, all of these different things. And the timing when someone comes past your website or your speech or whatever, it might be the exact moment that they need to hear exactly what you have to say. Yep. So you need to express that in order for that person to uh, have that experience. If you don't do that, then they're not going to have that experience. Mm -hmm. And it might be another two or three years before they, they have another opportunity to have that experience. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I, started convincing myself and moving myself into the discomfort of, you know, doing the meditations and broadcast uh, podcasting and so forth. Um, because it, it is almost like a, uh, well, it is a calling, but it's a mm -hmm. responsibility as well with that calling uh, mm -hmm. to be that voice for, those that you are in agreement that or have agreed with before coming into this lifetime in my perspective anyway uh 
that you are going to be that catalyst for them. And that's the part too, where I find that like bringing in a lot of the ancient wisdom is so important because when you look at all the things that came from Atlantis and Lemuria and Egypt and all these things of where, I mean, if you go to Abydos, they have these 10,000 pound um, like rose quartz or like slabs of, of, of stone that to this day, they cannot make the perfect pyramid. To this day, they don't know how those things were lifted and placed in those, in those positions. And I mean, people have said that there's definitely probably have been almost like fiber optics underneath a lot of those, those pyramids, et cetera. And I think that when you look at a lot of the ancient wisdom and we lose that, it's like we almost kind of like lose our humanity. So it's like, I feel like the best part now for the people that I'm really seeing that are evolving, and that's why I love Mind Valley so much, is that having the opportunity to take that ancient wisdom and applying that to 21st century stuff makes you that Buddha and the badass. It makes you have that opportunity to fuse that in a way because those people in the past didn't know what we were coming up into. But by the same token, you know, Sri Kumar Rao and uh, Naveen Jain and, you know, a lot of the different gurus like Maneshi Bar, who's on Solvana, his quintessence uh, quest all about shamanic journeys, etc. That is so necessary for us to fuse those different versions of ourselves together because then it's like that, you know, that vortex alignment of where when you get everything aligned, it's almost like you just literally expand yourself out. And I feel like I'm just magnetizing all this cool stuff. And Vision has been such a, um, a perfect example of how you can do that because he states that he's in a state of flow all the time and mm -hmm. with everything that he's doing you're just like it, it is so fantastically amazing to watch that and witness it as and we're a part of the, the unfoldment that's the part about it too is he's not afraid to get messy he's not afraid to show his vulnerability that he's not you know that he went on a date and got shot down or you know what i mean or, yeah, or different exactly. things that you know i mean he he goes through those processes with everybody at the same time and that's also where i think being a lifelong learner and always being open to new knowledge and new wisdom to be able to shift your paradigm to the next thing or hearing an opinion that you don't agree with that challenges you and you go oh well, i believe this well and then having a discussion well why do you believe this and then maybe you you shift it a few degrees or else maybe you stay on your position even stronger because you know it's the truth Absolutely. And I, I think the, the, the idea of showing up in your vulnerability, like Brene Brown uh, talks about in her, uh, different talks, is so important. Mm -hmm. If you have that courage to show up vulnerable, mm -hmm. then you will be having those opportunities to grow and you will find those doors to open. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're not showing up in that state, you will be closing you off, yourself off from those opportunities, right? So what was the kind of cataclysmic, or not the cataclysmic, but what was the turning point in the, in the concept, if you like, for you to go flipping over to uh, the, the kind of, this is how I'm going to bend the, the universe to, to do what I need to do, uh, or bend your reality as it were. What was it in? Two things. Yeah, go ahead. Two things. Um, in February, when uh, Christy Marie Sheldon um, did a webinar about her Intuition 101 course, which I highly recommend, it's amazing. Um, she just kept saying, like, you know, what would it take for five to $10,000 to appear so you can take my course? You know, if you don't have the money, what would it take for you to do this? So just keep on doing clearing. So 
I just started in this totally whimsical. The most important thing is that everything that you do for manifesting has to be over 528 hertz. That's why the, the, the hue is the DNA miracle manifester. You have to be at love or above. You cannot be an, an you know, oh, because everyone's like, I want to make money. I want to earn money. I want to, it's just, it's like thud, thud, thud. It's a very low vibration. So at the moment, I had, I had always, before this year, I'd always traded my time for money. So I was just to myself thought, okay, you know, there's no way I can't afford it. And I really didn't want to put it on a credit card, but she just kept saying, what would it take? What would it take? What would it take? So I literally whimsically would just run around all day, every day, just going like, what would it take for five to $10,000 to disappear? What would it take for five to $10,000 to appear? What would it take within 48 hours? I had the price of her course plus an additional thousand dollars. I, I'm then I'm just going like, okay, whoa. I mean, I, I had to like step back for a second and go like, okay, this just happened. I literally just pulled it out into 3D reality where now I sent her a wire transfer. Here it is, bada bing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then- no, And that was kept, money you, d you hadn't expect to show up in no, your life. No, And I was ambivalent as to whether or not I should take the course or not, because I wasn't sure if that was, you know, something, I mean, it, it's, it's not an inexpensive course, but by the oh. same token, she's world renowned. So- you know, it was something of where it would have been nice to do that, but I didn't have the money at the time. But then being able to do that. So whenever I do client sessions with people, when they get that first break of they get the thing that they want or they get a check that's unexpected or whatever else, I say, okay, now you have to anchor that emotion in your body so you can now replicate it. Getting one check, big whoop, no big deal. But when you then start to realize that you just manifested that out of thin air with the co-creation of the universe. And then the next thing you know, it was like, you know, she said, well, just for fun, um, why don't you just call up all your credit card companies and renegotiate your percentage points? Why don't you just for fun, just call them up and renegotiate. But beforehand, you just do a blessing ball in the, in the first part. You imagine yourself talking to that person. And then I would have a little marker where you make it a game. I made a marker that if a man answers the phone, I'm getting what I want. If a woman answers the phone, I'm not getting what I want. Hello? And then I'm like, yay, I'm getting what I want. And then Boom, 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 boom. It just all kind of worked where it was just perfect. So it was literally going from there. Um, I was able to like, um, it was just like, it was like thousands of dollars. And then in addition to that, even though it might be frivolous, I decided that I would play um, some of those video games that were like slot machine things. And so I was posting on, on her, her, her group, basically that, you know, oh, look, I just won $75 million on the Wizard of Oz slot machine or the Game of Thrones slot machine. And even though that sounds really funny, it was still every time I got that, I pretended like it was real money. I was like, oh, my God, I just won $75 million. Oh, my God, that's so amazing. And I would just like get all excited. And, you know, but you can feel it. It's a yeah. whole thing like, you know, Vision pointed out that Esther and Jerry Hicks book is the astonishing power of emotions. It's like you have to feel it. That's the part about the, the part. It's not necessarily the visualization. It's feeling it and anchoring it in your body. So I literally started to say, you know, I mean, Marissa Pierce says it too. I can have that. I can have that. That car's for me. That's for me. I can eat whatever I want. I can do this. I can do that, et cetera. During the pandemic, I never, ever, ever ran out of toilet paper. I never, <laughs> ever, ever ran out of food. Everyone was I? like, oh my God, I got eggs. And they're all like, woo, I got eggs. And I'm like, I have everything that I want. Mm -hmm. And it was actually sometimes getting food delivered. My grocery list would be a wish list because you wouldn't get everything that was on your list, but it was still, I got everything that I needed. Yeah. And that was the part about where I, I did so many, what would it take? So what would it take for me to know that the universe always has my back? What would it take for me to know that I'm more than enough? What would it take for me to step into this energy and know that by doing this and being an example for other people, because 
what's very interesting is that even the people in my group initially told me after the fact, they said they started to get a little jealous of my success because they were like, well, I'm doing all this stuff. Well, I'm doing all that too. Well, I'm doing that. But instead what they did is they flipped it. They flipped it to if she can do it, so can I. And when they flipped that, all of a sudden they were just like manifesting this, manifesting that. These people are getting money here. I have a, a client who literally has made more money by October than she's ever made a, a, as a corporate person in her entire lifetime within like six months to a year. So literally just watching that exponentially. And the best part is that after that, it doesn't become about the money anymore. It's not even about the money. If you know you can have whatever you want, you don't, you don't care. So that's now for me, the fact that I have the opportunity to help other people to bring their visions and their dreams to life. And there's no money involved. That, that's the best part. There is yeah. absolutely no money involved. And I don't need to talk to the person and tell them I need a cut of whatever they get. I don't care. That's the best part. It's not about like, you know, well, you know, I need my, my cut of this and I need that. Cause a lot of people, when they get like that, they get very limited because it's mm -hmm. all about like, what's in it for me. Yeah. If you're like Keith Ferrazzi talks about, if you're focused on service, sharing and caring, you will have a high performing team because everybody's helping each other, all co-elevating each other to be the best at, at, at what they are. So you become everybody that's like hanging out on Valhalla or, you know, Mount Olympus with all the gods as opposed to, and nobody's bitching and complaining that they don't have anything because they're all just in this amazing manifesting vibe and everyone's just having exactly what they need at the moment that they need it. Exactly. And I think that's, the key key takeaway there apart from the fact that what you're talking about is the law of resonance so if you resonate at the level of, of what you want you will attract it just like a magnet it works exactly yep. like that and the yep. uh, the key is really to know that or trust that what you want will come to you you don't need to worry about how or uh, you know where the money is going to come from. If you resonate at that level, it's going to come to you. So you don't have to worry about, oh, I got to make sure I have money coming from that and coming mm -hmm. from that. Mm -hmm. It's going to come to you whether you want it or not. <laughs> if if you set that desire and set that resonance, but that obviously applies to the negative as well. You know, if you're resonating at the negative level, then mm -hmm. the universe is going to say, oh, seems like you like this. I'm going to give you some more of that. If you resonate at a high level, oh, you like that? Well, make sure you get some more of that then. And that's something that you just touched on in regards to trust. My clients that I've worked with basically probably for over a decade, even when I was doing it, you know, not as a professional, they will tell me you can take your intuitive hits to the bank. Like literally there's something about being able to see almost like there's a spiritual exercise where you raise your consciousness and you look up above and you look at everything below you as if it's a chess game mm -hmm. and you see all these moving parts. And it's like from moving your perspective and looking down at it, you've just shifted everything that you're doing. So what I learned is that in the last probably 30 years of doing a meditation, meditation practice and singing hue and being really, really focused on my, my spiritual guides, I don't, I don't question them. Hmm. If I get guidance, I don't question it. Most of the time they speak in five words or less. It's very specific. It's a specific frequency and whatever I'm told to do, I do because mm -hmm. ultimately that's the part of the trust that I know that by focusing on that frequency rather than my little self, 
who might go into victim or complain or whine or whatever else. It's like, you know, I mean, Christy Marie says sometimes you, you treat your body like it's a pet. You just go, okay, that's nice. That, that's nice. Good for you. Yes. Okay. That's nice. Can you just go in the corner for 15 minutes while, you know, I, I, I handle this over here. Yeah. And so it's really making peace with those versions of yourself. But by the same token, it's like, it's that whole Yoda, you know, do or do not. There is no try. You, you have to take that massive action and follow through with it. And all of a sudden, all this amazing stuff was coming forward. And I had this one, I don't normally get, get overwhelmed, but I had this one moment. I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is, this is so much. And then I was guided that I will know which things to put my attention on and which things not to put my attention on. And that I know Lisa Nichols says that overwhelm is a choice. So I don't need to choose overwhelm. Mm -hmm. I will just allow that there will be a flow and a grace in my, in my day. And to be able to have gotten, you know, the phone number of this Egyptologist that I've admired so much, he, he picked up the phone today personally. Yeah. You know, I didn't have to talk to his handler, but it was such a beautiful thing of where it was just to call someone to tell them how amazing that they have helped you. He doesn't know who I am. But I think that's the part that's really great in the sense of where you also have to take the ego out of it. And I think for me, having been morbidly obese, having been, you know, all these different versions of myself, I like to play with fashion a lot. Like sometimes I have black hair wigs, sometimes I wear blonde, sometimes I wear different things. But it's also trying on these different identities because sometimes I feel like we get really, really staticky in that yeah. this is my look, this is what I have, this is my vibe, this is my this. If I'm always showing up in some way as a different person, but I'm still authentically me, it gives me that play vibe. It still allows me to be that, um, per, you know, and that's the part too that I think is important for people to know is that you have to suspend disbelief and you have to come at everything with childlike wonder. Like the story Absolutely. you told about your daughter is so true. It's like really, you know, instead of putting our judgy jaded eyes on a situation, we look at it like, oh my God, I get to call these amazing people. I get to negotiate a contract about my TV show. I get to do this thing with these people. And, oh my God, look at this. I get to do this and I get to do that. Marissa Pierce says it all the time. And yeah. she says, you need to, you know, she said, I love her story about the Porsche. She said that, you know, most people, they get a Porsche and they're like, oh my God, it's a Porsche. But she said within two weeks, you're throwing a candy wrapper on the floor of the Porsche because yeah. of the fact that it's just a damn car. Yeah. Who cares if it's a Porsche? It's just your car. Yeah, exactly. And it's, the the um, I like really love that about your approach is that there are no labels there are no you, I never heard you say I am this it, you just kind of position Me. yourself out there and just kind of float through uh, it's really hard to describe because there's there's no, uh, you know, earthly equivalent <laughs> in that respect, you know, just because someone, you know, I would look at you and say, okay, well, I understand from a, a real life perspective or 3D perspective that, you know, you are coaching people to do this and that. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm out there, I'm saying I'm a coach, I'm a teacher, I'm doing this, but you don't do that. You just exist and you have your experiences. And if people want to come to you as a coach, they do that. If they, if they want to have you speak at their events, you do that. It's never the, and I don't think you even have a website or any social media presence at all, do you? No, actually, um, I'm probably going to be doing a website because I want to have a place. That's one of the things Lisa Nichols did say that's important. When you want to make this a business, you have to make sure you have a foundation of people to be able to have access. So therefore, 
you know, if there was a demand for me to do, you know, group calls, I would be more than happy to do that. If there was a demand for online courses, there are a lot of things of where um, I'm developing stuff about the science of signs because in 2012, that was something that was really, really amazing that all of a sudden I started getting all these messages that, you know, like you said, paying attention. Mm -hmm. I would literally go down this down, you know, I'll be driving down the freeway and I would get five different words that I would see from different places all over the place. And it got to the point where they were actually spelling out sentences, right. but dictating cool. it and paying attention to it is another thing. So like, for example, right here, this is my little, everywhere I go, I have a little sign guide. So this is my little sign pad that I brought to Ireland. So when I went to Ireland, I opened it up and I say, okay, I saw a python skin. I'm shedding my skin. Um, I saw a ride or die skirt. I saw a lapis lazuli, which represents Egypt to me. You start having all of these different things that your own spiritual lexicon that only means something to mm -hmm. you because they're your own patterns. And because you start to look at those things, et cetera. Like I know somebody, um, you know, who's basically fallen in love with someone from Australia. So every time someone says Australia, it's like a synchronicity thing of where they're like, Oh my God, Australia again. And then I, they found out that the, the city that um, the person lives in is the same city that my, my CEO sponsor that I've asked is living in, which is so like those, they, they're no longer random. They're, they're no. completely, but it's still paying attention and, and scribing them down is the most important thing. Because what I then do is I go back into these, I have my dream journals and I have my sign journals. And when I go back in these, I see these patterns. I see all these things of where I see all this fluidity. It's almost like, you know, like kids who play Mario brothers and they get the magic mushroom and they ping on and they get 50 extra point, points. It's like, yep. I feel like the, the universe is constantly giving us bonus points, but so many people are like, you know, obsessed with their phones. And that was something that was an interesting insight that people who've been incarcerated for a long time in prisons, they come out and they've never seen people who are just li literally looking at screens all the time. Yeah. That is something brand new to them because they've been, you know, behind bars where people weren't doing that. And it is so true that so many people are so, you know, addicted to their phones and their digital devices. They're not really paying attention to what's going on. And, you know, you see kids in the back seat in the beautiful countryside in, in, the, in a car and they're not looking at the, the beautiful clouds and the gorgeous trees. They're looking at their, you know, Pokemon Go and you're going like, oh, that's, that's sad. Well, that's all part of, uh, you know, you know what, um, what you love when, once you've lost it, right? So it's the same with trauma. Once you've experienced that trauma, come out of it and grown from it, then you know what the beauty of the flip side is, right? Mm -hmm. So if you've been in the prison for 20 years, you come out and the, the trees and the birds and the sky, everything is going to be so much more beautiful. It's going to mm -hmm. be so much, much more vibrant. You're going to pay attention to more details because you're mm -hmm. becoming more and more present, right? Mm -hmm. yep so but it's it is true you even though you're operating at this different level of reality you still have to manifest it into yes this reality so right. we, we can't entirely detach ourselves <laughs> uh, from from the uh, key that is um, or the bridge mm -hmm. that is uh, real life we still have to interact and kind of create that uh, bridge over to uh, existing in a different type of a uh, reality where the rules of society don't necessarily exist as they do today. 
it's operating from a different paradigm i would i would suppose so uh, talk to me a little bit about that in your journey because i think it's a journey that you're you're kind of on and taking uh, kind of realizing coming back into oh, yeah. into uh, coming back from uh, <laughs> the the sky as it were and coming back down and being like oh how do i anchor this well and i i'm in the same way that you are in the sense of where um whenever i get connected um energetically and lightwise i'm always like up in the sky i'm always connected up but connecting down has always been my my kind of obstacle in that and in some ways it's like it almost may even be a reason why i gained so much weight at that time was uh, being able to have that heaviness to be able to to stay grounded in the you know um because i know that one of the things that i really love is the out-of-body experiences um with doing that and that's very um initially it's it's almost like terrifying because the g-forces are so strong that it can actually make you really sick to your stomach yeah. Um, cause you are literally just in, you know, all these different time portals and then coming back into your body. Sometimes you literally slam back in it. And so there would be times in the beginning when I wasn't acclimated to it, where I would actually jump up out of bed and then like, look back at myself when I wasn't, it was really, it was really surreal. But one of the things I think is really, um, amazing. And this is something of where it's going to sound funny, but I, you know, the whole polyglot thing where I was talking about like observing energy and things like that. So I love Egyptology. That's seriously one of my favorite things. I mean, any, anything having to do with the pharaohs, uh, you know, Akhenaten was such a revolutionary going into monotheism from polytheism. I mean, there's just so much amazing stuff um, from that. And I really do believe that if the Alexandria library hadn't been burnt down, our entire existence today would be completely different because all the wisdom that was written down was just totally gone. So from that perspective, um, I believe that we're running five simultaneous bodies. So by running those five simultaneous bodies, what I thought was really interesting is that a lot of times when I go to an exhibit of Egyptology, you'll see on the hieroglyphics, um, a picture of where they go through the embalming stage. And then you have Thoth with the baboon, you have to go through the eye of the needle if your soul is pure. And then if you're not, then the baboon eats your soul. And then from there, you basically go through the embalming process. And then they would show the body here and they would have four bodies above it. And I would say, oh, that's so amazing, you know, to see that confirmed that the Egyptians also believed that you were running those five concurrent bodies as well. But then you read the hieroglyphic description and they didn't translate it that way because that wasn't an awareness of the person who was doing that. There's a fascinating book. I wish um, I'll have to find it for you because it's so fascinating. This woman was in Britain and she knew all the hieroglyphics. She hit her head. I think she was in London. She hit her head and basically had uh, a brain trauma. And all of a sudden this lifetime where she was, you know, um, the lover of one of the, the pharaohs came back, et cetera. And the, the country of Egypt actually hired her to come back and read the hieroglyphics because she had full memory of everything intact. I mean, wow. this, this book is mind blowing because wow. it actually happened to the point of where she would talk to her parents at the British Museum with all the Egyptology stuff and say, oh, daddy, this is this and this is it. And they're looking at, she was five years old. They're like, how do you know this stuff? And she's like, daddy, I know that this is this and that's that or whatever. So, but she was so in love with this, you know, Pharaoh that, she, that all of her memories just kind of flooded back. So I think that, I think what you were asking is how you toggle between the two. So yes, the dense energies are here. And, you know, I, mean, I know we both discussed, you know, our parents' profession oftentimes is very dense, it's very mental, et cetera. So trying to explain this to that kind of a person is almost like impossible. It makes absolutely no sense. This is like, you know, 
that this is bizarre behavior, you know, but I'm just like, yes, but someone like Naveen Jane can actually be a private citizen and get robots on the moon and talk about biome and gut biome people, et cetera, et cetera. Like these people are doing it in real life because they're not listening to anybody telling them no. And then well, the best like part- It's Elon Musk, Musk yes. same thing, you know, talking yes. about, you know, different uh, energies and forces. And I think that they, they understand the kind of convergence between science and spirituality and in that is quantum physics and they've they've just come to peace with that and they understand it and they use it to do whatever they're meant to do yeah and that's the altered states of where to me that's my moonshot that at some point in time on my tv show i get to interview elon musk about the idea that he believes that this entire planet is a simulation because he believes all of this is is so if it's a simulation, then technically it is a game. It's kind of like the Matrix where they have the woman in the red dress and then they see the woman in the red dress, but she's not really actually there. And all they can focus on is the woman in the red dress because that's what they put as like a, a, a suggestion to them. Mm -hmm. But one thing that was really fascinating that was an experience I had with my mom because I've, I've traveled all over the world, but it's like, you know, I have a regular day job, trade my time for money, but I've been around a lot of people with a lot of wealth and kind of watch the way they work in their flow as well. So she got a black Amex card. And when she got the black Amex card, she was then given access to the VIP lounges that exist in the airports. And this was a paradigm shift for me, I will tell you that was just like, like everything in a lot of respects is just access. It's literally like, you know, I had a beautiful call with Linda Clemens a couple weeks ago and she's just so phenomenally amazing. And she was saying that it's basically what playground you get invited to, to, to play in. Yeah. And so therefore, you're sitting at this VIP lounge, you're having a nice drink, you're having nice food, you're sitting in a comfortable chair that reclines, you have TV, you have a shower if you want, you have, a, you know, they, ha they have beds for people to sleep in. They have all the amenities as if you're at some sort of a, you know, like a club, but there's smoked glass. And then you look down and you see thousands of people that are huddled together in the main lobby, et cetera. And you're not better than them. Not, in, not even in any way, way, shape or form. But with those VIP lounges, there's no directions to it. There are no signs to it. You don't know where the elevator is. Unless you're given access, the app will tell you, go down this terminal, go down here, go down there, et cetera, et cetera. And then poof, you're in a whole nother world. Mm -hmm. And that's the part to me that is truly bending reality. Because yeah. now that you know that that's available, um, a friend of mine just told me the other day that Costco has a $21,000 yearly private jet access card. I didn't know anything about that. At some point in time, that would be lovely to be on a private jet somewhere to go do this and that, whatever. So these are the kind of things of where once, once you know something, you can't unknow it. Yeah. And then, but you decide the things that you want to add into your, into your mix. You have to decide if that's in your recipe. And you also have to decide the things that you want to get rid of because there's not room for everything because all those old versions of you don't need to come along either. And it's okay. like looking at a yearbook. You look at a yearbook and I'm sure you had horrible hairstyles at one point in time. I had the same and you're going like, why did I wear that on that day to have this memorialized that in 10th grade, you know, I looked like that. It's just, it's just, those are all versions of ourselves. I was a teenager in the eighties and we all had beautiful hair. <laughs> and I say that with a great deal of sarcasm. <laughs> it, it was fluffy. It was uh, uh, George Michael type of hair. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it is amazing. And actually, going into what you were saying there about uh, that you have to shed things, I think that is 
one of the biggest challenges for people is shedding the ideas of their current reality because it's part of their identity. And uh, in my experience, shedding that identity becomes a near-death experience. Mm -hmm. And so it is death of something within you, especially if you have a, you know, one of these huge uh, changes or awakenings in your life uh, where you're basically moving into a void and you rebuild yourself entirely. Mm -hmm. uh, the perception of yourself, your, your own mm -hmm. perception of yourself. And it's mm -hmm. from a blank slate. So if you're doing that, uh, you, if you're being pushed into that, that's a different matter. And you could ha end up having a psychosis or you could uh, just end up uh, yeah. uh, healing through that. But doing it voluntarily is a big challenge for people where you, you're basically moving into a space where you say, that's the old me. I'm going to leave that behind. I don't know what's on the other side, but I trust that it's better. I trust that it's different in a way that is going to be beneficial to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think that necessarily we stop experiencing things that are uncomfortable or that we in, in a different mindset, we would think of bad uh, of as bad um, or hurtful or whatever it may be. It's our approach to those experiences and our uh, perception of those experiences that uh, makes the, the outcome that makes mm -hmm. us believe what we believe about the experience. So in Buddhism, they, famously say that you know once you understand that suffering is part of life you don't end up suffering anymore mm -hmm. uh, and it's not that the suffering disappears but your attitude to it changes and you you just accept it as part of your life right well and that's where for me the big the big epiphany and the big catalyst for me just in the last five years was that uh, in 2016 i was diagnosed with crohn's disease and that's an autoimmune disease that most people at some point in time need to have surgery of some sort. And for me, you know, I was looking for all the, the natural medications. I probably spent 30,000 or more dollars just on every supplement and things that I could possibly find and nothing was, was helping. And what happened with that was um, to me, a lot of ways that felt like a death sentence because here I, you know, I'm, I'm normally, I took two, world traveling tours around the world, you know, every year I would save up for those. And, you know, the, I, I have a timeshare, which I love because then I can go to different, you know, locations and having this, this illness, it was like having a two-year-old with you all the time. You're always having to manage their symptoms and figure out you're okay, but built into it, unfortunately, is, is very intense fatigue where you have, like, I would be able to go to work and then I would pretty much like the battery almost be shut off. It was just like, you know, there's no energy left. And so I had to figure out a way that I could make it palatable. And so one of the things that I did that I thought was really bending reality is that I really, if, when you start to think to yourself, you know, I, I could die fairly soon because this is bad. Um, you start really making different choices because everything seems different. All right. So, um, everything looked completely different. And I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to allow this to beat me. So I did what I call spiritual algebra. When you think you're going to die, you just say, you know what, this is my money. Can't take it with you. 
I'm going to do the best that I can. And ultimately, um, from that perspective, I decided that I was going to wear different kinds of clothes. So in a sense, it almost became like fashion therapy. And I know people talk about color psychology and things like that as well. And so having been morbidly obese, um, I was never able to wear anything designer. Designer was just nothing in my size that I could ever wear. And I'd gotten to a point of where I was able to fit into some designer clothes. Now, for most people, that's a frivolous thing. But when you think you're going to die, you're like, you know what? I don't really care. I'm going to buy myself some Gucci. I'm going to buy myself some Louis Vuitton. I'm going to buy whatever the hell I want because I'm not going to be able to take it with me. So why not? And so from that perspective, if the way that I was feeling was like a one, because I literally almost felt like I couldn't get out of bed and I had no energy, et cetera, getting dressed up like I was going to a Hollywood show with full makeup, designer clothes for just a regular day job. It gave me the opportunity to feel like I was a 10, but felt like a one. And then throughout the day I could get by because I was at a five. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, so it was a very, very intentional process. And, but the thing that was so fun about it is that I would literally have, you know, the door to the building where I work closed and it almost got to the point where it was a fun game for other people because they didn't know what I was wearing that day. So when I'd open up the door, some people would be like, oh, cool outfit, or oh, that's cool, or oh, that's cool, because I love to give compliments. I'm a person that honestly, I love to give compliments. I do not hold back on strangers. Hey, that's a cool shirt. Hey, I like your haircut. Hey, like your shoes. Hey, like this, like that. It's just totally something that I think, I think it just adds all this juicy cheerfulness to it and adds just good vibes for people, et cetera. And, um, and I have this really silly uh, tracksuit, which is a, raw, a chicken noodle ramen tracksuit. So you literally look like a chicken noodle ramen thing. And whenever I go there, anywhere, walking around in that, people just start laughing and they're like, oh my God, you just made my day. Because they mm -hmm. just can't help themselves from laughing. And I don't, you know, and it's like, it's so fun just to bring joy everywhere that you go. And, and that's the part about where, so by doing that, now I probably don't, I'm never probably going to ever buy another designer outfit ever again. Cause I don't really care. I had, I have as much as I want actually now I have probably too much, but in that moment, it was like, there was an attainment level of where, mm -hmm. like we were talking about with the Porsche. Okay. It's Gucci, but who cares? It's basically, those are my sunglasses. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, it gets to a point where it loses its, its meaning in that sense. And then you're able to actually start focusing on that. So some of my, some of my coaching is like, you know, if someone really, really wants to eat ice cream and they know it's not good for them, just go have some damn ice cream and don't allow all this mental gymnastics that you're doing about why you shouldn't and, oh, it's after this and da 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 Just have it. Because what I find is that when I don't deprive myself of things, I literally lose interest. Yeah. It's like, oh, I want, because I normally don't eat sugar almost at all. But, you know, if I feel like having a little bit of chocolate or whatever else, it's like I have chocolate from all over the world in my freezer. I can have it any time that I want. Am I eating chocolate? No, because I can have it any time that I want. So that's also that bending of the reality too, in the sense of where it's not, there's no scarcity mindset. I think that's yeah. the part too, in the sense of where, if you think that the world is eight pieces of pie and you're fighting for your slice, you're going to get all, all up in arms about it. But if you yeah. believe that there's unlimited pie and it's just going to keep coming and keep coming and it's all you can eat, you stop at a certain amount of time because you're done. Yeah, and it it's boils down to that attachment to it. If you create that sense of attachment to the thing you're craving, then you're going to crave it or just keep on having it as opposed yeah. to detaching yourself from it, knowing that it's there when you need it. Same thing yep. with money. You know, people, yep. a lot of people have attachment to money. Most of us do yep. because yep. we've kind of hung it neatly there on this survival 
uh, sign in our life that I need to have money to survive. Is this true? Absolutely. But it's the attachment to money that prevents us from actually having it. True. And I love, love, love what Ken Honda has to say. I was on a Mind Valley circle with him last week and he just sent out an email to everybody that I want to gift everybody my book just for free. Just give me your address and I'll send it to you for free. And I just thought, that's so awesome. And every time I see him, his energy is so pure and so clean. It's just the happy panda. If you're, if you're in America, that is. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, yeah. yeah. But, but I'm just saying it's the kind of thing of where it's a beautiful thing of being, you know, generous Absolutely. in that sense. But he yeah. has something called the individual based income service. And he and his millionaire friends get together and they figure out 50 to 100 families that they can pay their basic needs of, of rent, housing, you know, or whatever, their bills, etc. They just do that out of the goodness of their hearts because they know they have an abundance of that. I mean, if Jeff Bezos could donate a billion dollars a day that he was making during the pandemic, you know what I'm saying? It's like, those are the things of where when the wealth is spread, it also changes. And so he talks about the fact that, you know, that money is like air. It's basically a flow where it, you, if you reach out and you have what you need, when you need it in the moment, you are a rich person, you're an abundant person. And I love his arigato. I arigato everything. I, he says he kisses his wallet. He kisses his credit cards. Um, I have a little arigato in my, um, in, in my, my wallet. Every single time I pay a bill, I literally, I will literally sit there and I will say, arigato, and I send love forward to whoever receives it. And I state to myself, in my abundance, I am so happy that I can send this money to you. And I'm so grateful to have this money to give to you. And I love that the Native Americans talk about the fact that everything that arrives in your house that you have, 300 pairs of hands took care of that before it got to your doorstep. 300 pairs of hands watered it, cultivated it, farmed it, trucked it, sold it. And they all did that out of love to be able to feed their families and do other things like that. So that's the part to me of where it's like, it's paying it forward, paying it back. But then again, it's just, it's just energy. It's just allowing that to be in, in that sense. And it's viewing anything that comes to you, anything that you release as energy, it transmutes. It's never destroyed. It always only transmutes and changes. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And that also goes, you know, Marie Kondo's idea of, you know, when, when you get rid of something out of your closet or whatever it may be, you show gratitude to it. You show yep. thanks or you give thanks for the service that that item has uh, been to you and that you now happy to let it go. So mm -hmm. it's, it, it comes back to that uh, uh, idea of detaching. Mm -hmm. uh, you detach with compassion. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's very interesting how once we change that mindset from being in need and being in lack that we actually uh, allow ourselves to accumulate if you like uh, or accumulate in a fashion that we don't care if we have it or if we don't because it comes to us and then we ship it out again well there's also a money container thing too because i had a client who was in switzerland and she was making a million euros a month. And she told me that her goal during our session was to do 5 million a month. And I asked her, I said, well, energetically, does $5 million or euros a month, does that sound realistic? She didn't have the money container. She wasn't expanded enough to be taking in 5 million euros a month. Wow. So what we did is that I intuitively guided her through, okay, um, is it, is 4 million? Nope. 3 million. Nope. 2 million. Nope. One, yes, one, 
two, five, yes. Between one, two, five and two, yes. To the point of where we got it to 1.55 thousand euros was as big as her money container. So it was 55,000 more than what she had in initially that she was already making. But yeah. you have to stretch into that. When someone says, I'm a millionaire, if you don't resonate with that, that's BS. And those yeah. kind of affirmations don't work. But that's what I like too, in the sense of where you have to create the money container where when it comes in, you're super grateful for it, but then you also keep track of it. And then as the things get bigger and bigger and bigger, I mean, like being on the main stage right now, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a holy moly wowzer. And, and I didn't even know that 2,500 people applied to be at the London one. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But my infinite self told me in July to sign up for all five. I realized what an honor and a privilege it was to even be, you know, accepted into this because of the level of the speakers that they have. But what I also love is the fact that it's also trusting your intuition where you follow a visionary. Because Bernardo Moya is a visionary. Vishen Lakhiani, those are, those are visionaries. We're going along into their dream and we're following along with that because in July, a lot of people weren't happy that the March live event didn't happen. There was a lot of doubt as to whether or not virtual was even going to work. He was the first person ever to do a full length virtual summit. And after that, there was Lisa Nichols was doing them on I Am The Change and Powerhouse Speakers. Mm -hmm. And then uh, World Without Limits was in Estonia. And then you also had... Um, there's another one I went to as well. Oh, the Greater Festival that's in Germany. So you had people that were starting to do that after the fact that he started it. And now you can see that because we know that 2021 isn't really going to be opening up anytime soon. Those same people who are normally used to doing live speaking events of where they command thousands of dollars in front of a live audience, they don't have that revenue source any longer. Yeah. So now people are trying to get into his expo. And I'm just looking at this going like, my infinite self set me up in the summertime and I already just felt like this, but it wasn't about what I was going to get back from it. It was the yeah. fact that, because my goal initially was going to be to do, to go in March in person of this year, watch everybody, and then launch myself March, 2021 on the stage. And it would have been a side stage or whatever else, et cetera. And then just to just be like, we, you know, like just taking <laughs> off on it. And I, that's what I was telling Vision when I went on live with him in October, the day before my talk, it's like, I said, I feel like I'm on a rocket and I'm just trying to hold on. And then after that, I did the Silva Ultramind and he was talking about a rocket and a compass. And it's like, oh. you just go like alignment, alignment, alignment. So a lot of that projection stuff with the Silva stuff is also, um, that's so cutting edge because when you have the opportunity to be experimenting with out-of-body experiences, you know, there's just so many different things that you can see. Um, and you don't ever limit the universe. The, the universe is truly unlimited. And anytime you put a limit on it, why? You, you have to be, a, and that's something that honestly I have struggled with. I have been receiving impaired. That is something where I'm one of those people that I give, 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 and give. And a lot of times things don't come back to me. But this year I flipped that. I just yeah. decided, you know what? What would it take for me to be an amazing receiver of all the abundance that the universe wants to shower on me? And then now, because of the fact that my message is that of service, all these other people are jumping on my bandwagon as well because they're seeing like this excitement that I have because it's coming out of sheer joy and sheer fun and sheer wanting to serve humanity. Yeah. And, and I heard morning miracle yesterday and he was saying that when you want to serve humanity, the universe is going to help you go out there and do that. And why not you? Why not me? Absolutely. Why? And I, actually I wanted to tie back to that. You, you were saying about 
like Vision, like Yanni and uh, whoever, the, the visionaries. I mean, you are a visionary. I Why am? Yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't you be? Okay, I accept that. I, I, well, it's, it's being the visionary in the sense of where, um, I mean, I have to take that in for a moment because I don't think I ever saw myself oh, as such. If you, if you think of it, people are going to listen to this call and be in awe of your ability to bend reality to your desired outcome and your desire, you know, what you want to energetically experience uh, from a totally different level. Um, you know, we, we talk about control and how you can't control the external environment. You can only control your words, your thoughts and your actions. Mm -hmm. But this is control on a different level. But you're mm -hmm. not controlling it. You're allowing yourself to receive it. And it's, mm -hmm. it's that paradox and understanding that paradox. Uh, that, and I think it comes down to embodying the paradox as well. Mm -hmm. um, because we can uh, logically understand it. But it, once we, we embody it, that's when we can start acting from it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're going to have people listening to this call and they're going to be in absolute awe of what you're doing, like I am, uh, and uh, hang on your, your every word and see you as a visionary. Well, it, but it also does come down to extreme gratitude. And that was something that I talked about in my talk. I realized that when everything went on lockdown on March 13th, I was like, mm, okay, I, we have choices. You can go to, oh my God, the world's going to blow up and it's Armageddon, so on and so forth. Or you can make a decision as to what you're going to do. So having all this time and all this, you know, I mean, I, I hear people say, oh, when is Netflix going to be putting on new content? Because I've, I've watched everything, et cetera. And I thought, to me, it's almost like anything pre-pandemic looks different because people are really close to each other. I know that sounds really funny, but people are really close to each other. And, you know, they're not socially distanced. They're not wearing masks. It's like, oh, that's so free, you know, pre-pandemic looks, looks a little odd. So I didn't want to really focus on like the, the frivolous stuff that I, you know, I mean, I, I enjoy some trash TV sometimes, but I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but the extreme gratitude part was so important to literally sit there and say, thank you to the water department that's keeping my water on. Thank you to the electricity company that's making my electricity. Thank you to my toilet, to my, my sink, my shower, my dishwasher. Every time my dishwasher worked and my washer and dryer worked and my refrigerator is, is going great and everything is, is you know, there, I just, if I was in a bad mood, I just started stacking all the things that I was grateful for. Yeah. And those are first world problems. And Sri Kumar Rao says, you know, 75% of the, of the world doesn't even have a bed to sleep on. They don't have yeah. a lot of the things that we have. So therefore it was like, I had to really get into that brass tacks gratitude of, of what exactly the, the, the momentum was. And then having vision adding just content after content after content and being in Christian Ree stuff. And then all of a sudden like every, it's like, I just said yes to everything. Yeah. And then because it was the Lisa Nichols thing, they said, oh, you, you, there's a streamer documentary and she's in that. And then from the dreamer documentary, I, I found Giovanni Marsica, who is also a visionary. And he goes out there and, and helps fund all sorts of people's dreams. And he's amazing. And then, you know, Jim Quick was like, well, I'm going to have a, for, you know, for, I'm going to have a special private group for, you know, twice a, a week live with me all year long. And you're just going like, yes. Cause, and he's like making schools in Guatemala and other places. It's like, the more that you play in this playground, the more people were promoting stuff and everything that was being promoted. I just like, I have not missed one single call that was live with vision since February, right. not one single one. 
I just decided that I, this is the golden age in some ways. I almost feel like it's an enlightenment period. We're going to look back on this, mm -hmm. that people had really extreme reactions to this. But from that perspective, you're not going to find in 2021 that there's all sorts of freebies and extra bonus content from really, really amazing people. They're all going to find ways to monetize them. And by that time, you'll have to, you know, basically pay to play. So what I loved was watching the generosity of people like Bernardo and Vision and all these people that were giving their talks for free because they realized that they wanted to have an audience to be able to speak to as well. So Mindvalley University went from like, two weeks online to it's every week now where we just have content and content and, and you know more speakers and more speakers etc and at some point in time that will that will come to a halt so right now i feel like riding the crest of this in the end of it i feel like i'm building this crescendo to the end of the year and then when january comes around i feel like i will be able to actually have this boat out of the harbor my sail is going to be up my rudder is going to be in the exact right location and that wind is just going to take me out into that open ocean and it's just going to be the most amazing adventure but it's not going to be you know the the countless hours of being on on you know different kinds of things on the screen it'll be a very different experience because so many of these things are opening up and the more things open up the more you know interesting people that i come into contact and i mean our group is one of the most amazing percolations of of amazingness I've ever been a part of. And it's like, everybody is so supportive. And that's the thing about it in the sense of where, like, why not? It's, it's really important to co-elevate each other as you're going through those dreams. Cause like you said, when you put the competitive edge in that and you start to have people that get jealous or they, they start to have that opinion about it, you taint the, the well. And that's where it's like, be glad for other people's successes. Be happy for when other people succeed as well. Because again, when you shift the paradigm with why not me, you shift it to they did, so can I. And to me, yeah. that is a huge paradigm shift because you do not have any negativity attached to it at all. Absolutely. And I, I think for me, in a way, my journey, as you know, has been about, you know, the idea of seeing things from a compassionate point of view. And the same thing about that embodiment of uh, kind of the idea of or the perspective that you want to achieve uh, same uh, embodiment of that compassion you can understand compassion as a um, logical intellectual concept but to embody it and live it mm -hmm. you got to practice mm -hmm. it and once mm -hmm. i've found once you do that that you don't concern yourselves with the petty minutiae of life and you uh, that is a different road, uh, kind of route into opening up all these opportunities because you start to say yes to life. You start being open yeah. to, and it's just a different avenue to get onto the highways or, you know, um, and I mean, yeah, sorry, go ahead. It's also one of my favorite stories of all time is the starfish story. And it's that story about the, the old man walks down the beach and it always chokes me when I think about it, but every person that's in front of us is as important as anybody else. When you're with people, you have to be with them. You need to be fully present, 100%. Nobody's more important than anybody else. When you're in front of someone else, you literally, that's what namaste means. It's the, you know, the soul in me recognizes the soul in you and they connect in a very beautiful way. And the starfish story is about an old man walking down the beach and he sees this little boy and he's throwing starfish into the ocean. 
and there's thousands and thousands of starfish. And the old man asked the little boy, he says, why are you doing this? There's thousands of them. He said, most of them are going to die anyway. And the little boy holds up the one starfish before he throws it into the ocean. And he says, it matters to this one. Yeah. To this one, it matters. Yeah. That is the most important thing that everybody that's in front of us, we all have value. We're all soul. We're all beautiful beings that just need the opportunity to be given an opportunity to focus. And one of the things that I did as an experiment this year is that I had this little plant that was like a little tulip bulb and I put this gem water in it and it started to grow. It had been like dormant for nine months. It started to grow. Within two weeks, it grew 36 inches because I was pouring gem water in it. I was blessing it. And everybody that came into my space, I told them, just send love to this plant. And it literally just went like, like this. People were coming and going like, how is that even possible? But that's the profound power of love. Love Absolutely. is one of the most powerful energies anywhere in the universe. Absolutely. I don't know, don't know if you've seen that video that I think it was Ikea that passed around. Um, and it was in a school in the Middle East somewhere or in Switzerland. can't remember. But anyway, they had two, two plants in like a glass container and the students were told to one of the plants, they had to uh, give encouragement and be positive, etc. And the other plant, they were to uh, basically speak negatively to. And not, not surprising, within two weeks, the plant with all the negative talk had died and the mm -hmm. one with the positive talk was uh, uh, flourishing. Mm -hmm. And they were both mm -hmm. in the same environment. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I know exactly. And I did the same test with, the, um, with uh, an aloe vera plant here. Um, and I now have probably... 20 seedlings that I've planted and they are thriving on their own. And I mean, this, yeah. this darn thing is growing out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what do I do now? So uh, I'm talking, you know, we're going to uh, start doing aloe vera um, uh, masks and uh, skincare and all that stuff. Cool. But uh, it's uh, one of those things like you, once you see what that, you, what you're putting out into the universe has an effect on every every living thing around you. Then, for me, in a way, it became, and that was really how my journey into embodying compassion started, was that I realized that it's my responsibility to put the best version of myself out there. Mm -hmm. Because in the collective energy, mm -hmm. people are going to tap into that and going to feel that and that will help one person two people however many it helps it, be, it will be my contribution mm -hmm. um, and that i think that is so important because it's not the government's responsibility to tell people to become the best versions of themselves mm -hmm. each, and, each and every one of our own responsibilities to do that um, well that that's something that I learned at University of Santa Monica. That was one of the number one takeaways of my two-year program that I was prizing. Because honestly, and that's why I don't hold back on compliments. When you, um, when you prize children and you just focus on prizing them over and over again, and you prize the things that you want them to continue to emulate. And you, of course, I mean, you have to obviously call them out on the things that they're doing that are either dangerous or, you know, et cetera. 
But by the same token, if most of your focus is on that prizing, what I found is that with children, it's so amazing because they will do anything to please you because of the fact that they know that they're going to get the reward for being themselves and for stepping into that better version of themselves and stepping into the next one. And then, you know, when that Maslow's hierarchy of needs of the seen and heard, you know, loved and accepted, that's been the thing that's been so astounding to have international clients. And I can talk to, you know, a, a traditional Muslim woman wears a burqa in, in Dubai, and then I can talk to somebody in Australia. They all need the same thing. It has nothing to do with the culture, it has nothing to do with the religion. It's a loved and accepted, seen and heard. Those are the four things that people need. And that's something in the sense of where, you know, as, you, as you've seen, as you've gotten to know me, it's like, I love putting the shine on other people's things. Anything that I see that I think is awesome, I'm gonna say something about it. And um, I know I have a, a, a good friend who's a theta healer and we just call ourselves the cheerleaders of the world because we just wanna like celebrate everybody. And that's even part of my meditation. I really imagine, um, you know, our whole entire group basically with all the mind valley people there and we're all just clapping for each other and we're smiling and we're toasting and we're all so completely amazed and astounded to witness each other's journey in such a, a, a wonderful way etc that there doesn't have to be a breakout star there doesn't have to be one person or this person like oh well this person they already got the spot or whatever whatever if you're really co-elevating everybody benefits from that and what i love is that it's the same thing i mean when you really love someone and like the Napoleon Hill book, The Think and Grow Rich, they talk about in chapter 13, that when you have a really, really amazing relationship with another person, that love that you guys cycle between the two of you guys, you go out the door and you know you can conquer the world because you've got that person that's holding you down that has your back no matter what. That is so powerful. And Absolutely. I think in our society, we've kind of gotten out of that of where it's kind of a throwaway where we don't really think about, you know, like committed relationships as being something that's powerful for making you successful in your life. But it's true. The people that you see who are like really, really committed to each other, really love each other. Like John and Misty Butcher are two of the most amazing married couples I've ever seen. He literally just dotes on every word. Like he, you know, he brushes her hair back. He thinks everything she says is amazing. He thinks everything that he says is amazing. Those are good models in our in our world of people that are having conscious relationships and they're also demonstrating that for other people. So I think that it's it's also that when people love themselves, they have a certain frequency that they go out into the planet that also uplifts that. And you have apparently David Hawkins says that you can have capacity to uplift 750,000 people's vibe by just you being at a high frequency. 750,000 people when you when that's why you don't have to be, you know, that's why we need postal workers and teachers and we need, um, you know, like clerks and cashiers and all those other type of people. If that cashier during a pandemic can smile at people who are stressed out and freaking out about the diapers they need to buy or whatever else, and they're like, good morning, how are you? Nice to see you, et cetera, et cetera. They just basically affected 750,000 people's vibe in that direct vicinity, yeah. made it a more pleasant experience for those people that were shopping. And it's something that has a ripple effect. So all of us in our collective spaces, when I do a meditation, I literally imagine as if I'm like a, not a 5G tower, but I imagine myself as like a, a lighthouse of where I'm a beacon and I'm a beacon of light. And I just imagine that I close my eyes and I literally just, uh, you know, I, I connect to the light, I radiate it out as much. And I just go out and find all the light seekers, all the healers, all the people who are truth seekers. And I just really imagine, you know, the globe at night and we're just bouncing all of these pings off of each other back and forth. And to be able to, you know, talk to a lady in Australia yesterday, you know, who, who is like crying. She's one of Bob Proctor's coaches and she's an amazing person in her own right. But she said she was crying in her living room because 
I took the time to read her story. And I thought to myself, of course, I'm going to take the time to read your story. I, I'm, and I'm so glad that I can put a spotlight on your life of where now you can be connected with these people. And I know Amrit, my coach, says that I'm a magic connector. I am truly a magic connector. I see energy of people. I go, you need to talk to this person. You need to talk to this person. You need to talk to this person. I've had people have gotten married because of the fact that I saw their energy connected, et cetera. I mean, that's the kind of stuff to me where it's like, you, it's, you can't bottle it, but it's so fun because it's just like, you know, and you get to connect with this person and you get to, and obviously it's a free will universe, so they get to choose. But I have a friend who's doing um, PPE with uh, epidemiologists and she has really, really high level stuff because she's getting her PhD. So it's mm -hmm. all current research and they're very, very high quality products. Well, I know someone in, in Hong Kong who's looking to do entrepreneurial stuff. And I just said, well, you know, maybe you should talk to him. They connected and they're going into business with each other about red infrared lights that are healing, et cetera, et cetera. And then I get calls from them saying like, how did you know that we would be really good business partners? How did you know that our energy would connect? And I'm like, I just trust my instincts and I trust my intuition and you're welcome. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's it. You know, it's, and the, that contribution then obviously you will get that back some other way and you don't have to worry about, you know, yep. you don't have to be, well, I want uh, 10% of whatever you make because I put you two right. together. You know, it's like, right. make it work. Good luck. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that's so powerful to kind of step away from the need to Im that immediate gratification and realize that, I will get my dues mm -hmm. and I, mm -hmm. I just trust that. Mm -hmm. um, and well, one caveat though, when someone does you wrong, you do not send negative energy their way. You no. do not. You allow the universe to do that for you yeah. because that's where I think a lot of people get stuck. They, they get that kind of like what you were talking about, the fake spiritual the other day. It's like people will oftentimes think that they got wronged in some sort of a way. So they send out negative energy in that fashion and that to me is karmic ping of where it's going to come back to you. Absolutely. So bottom line is that you just literally, you wish that person well, and you know that they're going to get it on the flip side and it doesn't have to come from you. Absolutely. And that, that's where I would apply my, my uh, thought or my concept of compassion and just yep. allow, I, I know and accept that they're on their path and they are going yep. to, they're going to learn from their experiences. And yep. if I engage in that, behavior then i am engaging in that energy and mm -hmm. then i'm sending out to the universe that that's the energy i want to experience mm -hmm. and then i'm gonna get it so mm -hmm. yeah that's exactly it you can't uh, engage with that uh, and it's mm -hmm. you know like it says in the bible turn the other cheek mm -hmm. you know it's and that i think a lot of people have most people have a really hard time with that because when it comes to guilt and shame for example a lot of people hold, hold on to it as a almost like a receipt that you know i need to hold on to this because i need to know that the other person needs to know that i'm i'm feeling guilty about this that i'm repenting and i literally said to someone the other day i was like so how long do you feel that you need to repent for this you've been holding on to this for 30 years now um how long do you think, is it going to be a couple of months, a couple of years, five years, 10 years? How long do you think would be long enough for you to hold on to that? And, you know, obviously he wasn't ready to let it go, so he couldn't answer it. But I know my mother was, she 
she was holding on to stuff and I asked her, why are you holding on to? And she's like, if I don't, who else will? Hmm. And I said, well, but nobody will. Nobody has to. And no, and that's where people will fight for their stories. People will yeah. fight to be wrong. And that's something of where it's like, if you find somebody has made a really bad you know, life choice that they know is going down the path, it's almost like they continue on that path because then they don't want to make the prior versions of themselves wrong that made that choice in the first place mm. without just saying, why not? If I'm in a car, I can make a U-turn. I don't have to keep going down this stupid thing. And then in addition to that, it's like, I also find a lot of times with clients that their energy will go, um, like I'll be tuning into their energy and there's this part of them that always makes a right-hand turn. It just always like converges something. So instead, I always tell people, you got to pick a lane. Once yeah. you pick a lane, then you need to follow the lane that you're going on. Not just like you're now going on these little side treks and things like that, because then you never get to your destination. No, absolutely. And I often have clients come to me and say, you know, they're in meditation and they see these uh, lanes and they don't know which way to go down. And so, and I literally say, well, in meditation, just sit there and feel, feel each uh, path or each uh, road. What does it feel like to you? Mm -hmm. And eventually there's going to be one that is so strong in light mm -hmm. that you know that that's the one to go down. Mm -hmm. You know, you just feel it and you just have to trust that. And you go down that visually or visualize going down that road and you're going to understand why you're going down that road. And that's going to reflect into the decisions that you're, you're having to make. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, talk to me actually about that within your coaching practice, uh, if I may call it that. <laughs> you did earlier yourself, so I'm, I'm taking the liberty here. Uh, but uh, when you help people how do you do that do they know that you are coming to them as a spiritual being with uh, you know access to your guides and to your higher wisdom and all of that or do you come to them more with a uh, earthbound energy like let's solve this earthly problem as it were you know um, it depends on what they want to manifest. So a lot of times, basically being able to um, disconnect them from the low vibe, it's clearing them um, with the vibe that they're carrying that has like attached to them. Like I had um, someone in our group who's in my accountability group. Um, I just felt this, normally the person's really happy and I felt this real depression around them. And I said, so where were you in the last couple of hours? And I found out that um, he had been at the hospital visiting his mother who was sick in the hospital. And unfortunately, there are a lot of hitchhikers that like to attach to people because they've, you know, been, they didn't make it out or whatever else. So people with nice lights are, woo, I want to go hang out with you. So he had attracted all these like things that came home with him and they were really depressing him. So I was just like, you know, I pretty much identified that, you know, I, I put them in a, I guess it would be. Um, Christian Marie calls them blessing balls. I know Vision does the spirit ball. And then I, I think, you know, like in Reiki, they also talk about a chi ball. Right. So I pretty much, I, I encapsulate them almost hermetically seal it and then send it back up to source energy. Um, but it's also doing a lot of, um, that's why a lot of times the, the all, all of my clients with that, I do on the phone because I can read someone's light body so much better by listening to them and tuning into them from that perspective. But what I really like is that Christy Marie was very, very, 
good about spiritual hygiene that you don't go into someone's body. You literally imagine that they're like a movie screen in front of you. And then after you're done, you disconnect and you close all doors, windows and cracks so that you're not carrying that person's energy any longer either. Because as an empath, it's very easy to start having other people kind of take over your energy because it's Absolutely. really tasty and delicious to them. <laughs> so that's, you know, the kind of thing. But um, so by that. doing that, it's, it's calling forth whatever that is. Um, and I did a session yesterday with somebody where they have some legal issues and they wanted some advice in regards to finalizing that. And I got this imaginary, uh, or I got this image of, um, I get images for people. So I got an image of the La Brea tar pits where all the dinosaur bones got trapped underneath and they're not able to go. So it was like skeletons in the closet, things that had been hidden and secret. Mm -hmm. So I gave her like a spiritual scuba diving suit to put on and told her that she needed to go excavating for the next three days in her meditations and that she would find what the secret was or the hidden thing before she signed any documents. And so it'll be interesting to hear in the next couple of days you know, what ends up transpiring from that. But I generally get a almost kind of an, a recipe or an approach to that. Um, but I don't like, I don't like parlor game type of things. Like, I don't like things like, well, what color shirt am I wearing? Or, you know, what's the name of my great grandfather or that kind of stuff. To me, that stuff is like, that's, that's parlor joke trick things. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing that kind of stuff. So for me, a lot of times it's like, Hey, I've got foundation 11 and 12. I'd like to put down a deposit on my home, which one feels better. And then for me, I feel into the energy of it to see, but a lot of times you can feel people's motives. You can feel their, their intentions. You can feel whether or not it's clean to them, whether or not they believe it or not. So that's pretty much how, you know, I do do clearings for people. And then um, generally it's like, but what's kind of cool though, is that most people, once they're done with a, a clearing, their energy is so expansive and it's so light that they are almost like, like they're smiling from ear to ear. Cause they're like, wow. I, I feel so much lighter and I, you know, this is so amazing that, you know, and what's been super cool this year. And again, I, I credit Christy Marie for doing this from a laser focus. I've literally now been able to do um, sessions with people where I have a, a third person as a, like a trio to hold the, the space almost where I pull out memories. Like they're the little Kodachrome slides right. of someone's memory and just pull it out of their, their subconscious and state. Well, when you were 25, you decided that you were not going to cry anymore. So you've got tears that are hanging out in the bottom of your thighs that are really, really heavy. And what happened? And then I had clients say, oh, my God. When I was 25, I went to a therapist and my therapist had an affair with my boyfriend and was sleeping with him. And then I went into the car and I cried for like an hour and a half. And I told myself, because I kept hearing, suck it up, suck it up, suck it up, suck it up. She told herself to suck it up and that she was never going to cry again. And she hadn't cried for 20 years. Wow. So it was like this culmination of things that had now resided in her body that she needed to, to shed. So from there, you literally just keep adding light and keep adding light and keep adding light where you, you basically flush that out of their system. But to be able to have things that people haven't even remembered and then to be able to, or even um, one was fascinating. Literally, I just kept saying, did you do something with the newspaper? Were you a newspaper person? Were you a newspaper person? No, 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 no. And it was um, a past life with a person that had the Kyoto Times and mm -hmm. knew that Hiroshima was going to get blown up. Right. And they didn't warn the person or they didn't warn the people that this was coming. And they literally performed Harry Carey on themselves. And this person had had pain in this spot almost all of their life. And I was able to literally clear and transmute 
never had the pain ever again and was able to completely resolve that for that person yeah no i i i know exactly what you're talking about because it's uh something i experience with all my clients as well like uh when was it yesterday no it was early in the week i was working with someone and i was like talking about in general you know how i experience things and i said well for example for you i i feel there's this it's like line between my ovaries if i had one if i had them uh and crossing over my navel it's like a line there's a cut and mm-hmm. she's like oh okay that's interesting and then we at the end of the call she describes she tells me oh and yeah when i was uh um, younger I had this operation where they cut my stomach open from yeah. you know one end to the other uh, across my navel and I said well that's exactly yeah. what I said before and she said oh well you're talking about me <laughs> I was like yeah so thank you for validating uh, or ver- verifying <laughs> that that uh, energy but yeah. yeah it's um I think from my point of view the way I do I'm I suppose I've I've only been at this for five years as well, but I've been at it for a lifetime, but conscious about it for five years. Um, it's, I approach it from a more just intuitive point of view. I'm not so deliberate in it mm-hmm. uh, as you are. So I find that very interesting how you, you are so deliberate in the, uh, the way that you approach, you know, bending reality, your intuition and, all of these things um to me i'm i just trust that it is what it is and i trust what i say is there to be said because the person needs to hear it or mm-hmm. uh, whatever it may be so i just i find mm-hmm. that tremendously uh, uh, aspiring and uh, inspiring and uh, interesting well i'm definitely i what i'm what you call an amfm dial i I do whatever the situation calls for. So I know that I've actually spoken Dominican Spanish in a specific accent to a region of Dominican Republic that I would have no conscious knowledge of um, in a client session back in the 2000s. And um, there's a lot of times where in the last year, one of the, the clairs that's come up for me too is that I get these beautiful scents that come in my nostrils. It's yeah. the most amazing thing. And also not just smell this beautiful thing. So. I've, I'm now like, I can distill love, fear, intuition. It's just when I'm reading something and I'm in a particular mood, I, I am aware that there's a certain scent that comes forward that's very different. Um, and I know a lot of times like you get the, I don't know if you get this or not, but I get tuning acclimations where one of my ears will just go out for about a minute. And I just know that that means my guides are up frequencying. So I just kind of relax into that. And I say, thank you, because I, I think that is definitely, you know, a gift. Um, so, and, that, and those are the kind of things that are always really, they, they show you that your attunement is, is in alignment and there's a um, delivery company in this, uh, I don't know if it's in the UK, but it's called OnTrack, O-N-T-R-A-C. Mm-hmm. And they have, um, every time I see one of those, it's always a kind of a joke with the signs. Like, you know, I'm getting a, hey, high five, you're on track. Hey, high five, <laughs> you're on track. <laughs> so I always really like seeing those, those, uh, those ones too. And then even like um, my friend's husband, um, I basically kind of like, I saved his life twice now because I just said, you need to go get yourself one of those colonoscopies. 
you need to get a colonoscopy. And he was like, I don't want to get a colonoscopy. And then he had to end up having surgery very quickly. And he had quite a bit of a mass that was in his intestines. And then recently he had um, skin cancer surgery. He was like, oh, it's no big deal. He had 29 stitches in his neck and he started having this gray pallor to him. And I'm like, he's not right. He's not right. There, he's not right at all. And so my guidance at that time said, just tell him to wear blood red all the time. He needs to wear red shirts, red blankets, red anything. Just be around anything that's about that corpuscle, really healthy blood, really healthy blood, really healthy blood. And, um, you know, he was not doing very well. And then he made it out of the woods. And then I got a call from her. She said, he wants to know when he can stop wearing red because he really doesn't like that color. And I said, well, he's okay now. I said, but he really did need it. And then he was kind of not doing so great a week later. And then I said, okay, two more days of red. And then that kind of helped it. So it's so random and so odd to be saying, because if you were to say that to the average person, like, well, today you need to wear red, et cetera. But there is color psychology. And a lot of times it really is I mean, you can see I really do like red. That's one of my, my <laughs> I was, uh, I was like, your, your, your dress and your chair <laughs> and the drapes, yeah. <laughs> yes. But yeah, no, it is very true. And I, I pay attention to it when I get dressed in the morning because it, you know, if I dress, if I, if my, if I tend or try to grab stuff out of my closet that is all gray, I'm like, okay, why am I doing this? Yeah. And I go, okay, well, what is it that I need to kind of focus on today? So yeah. perhaps I'll have gray, but I'll add a splash of color like, uh, you know, purple or something like that. Yeah. Um, just to kind of break that, the idea of just completely gray or completely black. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think that the whole idea of uh, color psych psychology, and I mean, it is scientifically verified as well mm -hmm. the hospitals you all mm -hmm. it's all in green because it's a soothing color um, mm -hmm. so there's a lot to be mm -hmm. said about that mm -hmm. um, but yeah and uh, i mean you're going to well it's going to be um uh, online now virtual with the uh, uh best you conference in london right the first one is in miami and that right. one's actually really exciting because it's um it's all bilingual so bernardo moya is actually from spain and he grew up in london so he's got like the spanish also and so being able to kind of like have the latino community and the hispanic community really you know also be a part of the personal growth is really exciting and caro from our group um i've invited her to be interviewed during that time because she's bilingual and it's something that i think will be so perfect for her okay. vision uh, with conscious uh, corporations. I mean, I just, that that makes me so excited thinking that that could connect her up with all these different people that are like, we want to invest in your stuff. We want to help you out. We want to do this. Because, you know, she works with really big name companies and coming consciously through those type of things. I mean, that is, that is brilliant. Um, and then London is in February. And then March is Dubai. And I have some clients that are also, um, they also do healing work too that I'm going to ask that are in the UAE and also in Bahrain if they want to speak. Because the coolest part about all of this is that you being in London and being interviewed at the London Expo means that even though the, the, the whole that expo is virtual, they can still come to you in person once everything's lifted. Yeah. So that's wonderful too. And I just, there's another lady named Hema who's in London and she's an RTT therapist and she has beautiful energy. And, you know, a couple of days ago, I just said, Hey, do you want to get interviewed? And she was like, Oh my God. Yes. You know, she was all excited too. So it's just the kind of thing of where, you know, spreading love and joy wherever you can. And, and ultimately it's like, you know, I, I know my life isn't perfect and I'm not trying to come off as if I am perfect. And I think that's also important because it's like, 
a lot of times it's our journey that is the model. It's the journey I'm saying like, you know what? Yes, I had these things happen to me, but I didn't let them get me down. I decided I was going to reinvent myself. And that was something I really, really appreciated about Bernardo's message. He said, you got to get out there and see what are the things that are going to work for you. And all these people that had to pivot to new things, you know, I, I mean, at some point in time, it would be lovely if we focused all, almost exclusively on prizing children. And we focused on the fact that I think the way the educational system is and a lot of different systems, because everything has been able to do remote for a lot of things, it's going to be very different for a lot of industries, no matter what, when, you know, things come out of the pandemic. And the thing is that Vision always talks about, it's not about whether or not you got a degree from Harvard or not. It's the mindset you're a person that applied to Harvard and that you basically had the wherewithal to know that you felt like you were worthy enough to be able to do that. And then you went out and you basically banged out your life in another way, in a wonderful way. So it is truly that mindset that is so important and that, you know, even like Anne Frank, one of my favorite quotes from her was that despite everything, I know that people's, you know, in people's hearts, they're still good. And that's the part in the sense of where humanity is still worth, uh, you know, a lot and, I don't necessarily want to live in a world. I mean, I don't have a problem with augmented reality, but I don't want to live in a world with robots as being, you know, the only way that we communicate that to me, the human connection, the inspiration, the imagination, the creativity, the innovation. That's the part to me that is just so incredible. And well, well, it's, it's the part, part of where technology augments our ability yeah. to connect, you know, uh, yes. to, you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago, mm-hmm. you and I would never have met because nope. it, we were just so widely apart mm-hmm. in terms of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, uh, knowing what we know, probably we would have met uh, mm-hmm. under different circumstances because yeah. we were meant to cross each other's paths. But technology allows us to just do that so much quicker, more efficiently, doesn't it? It allows us to... yeah just say that you know these rules that we had before when we were growing up that you know you can't know someone from california unless you move there that Mm -hmm. was you know that was a rule that was a rule that we had you know you can't know someone from a different part of the world unless you go there or they come to you Uh, that rule doesn't apply any longer so no and that's the part, like, I know for me, my first love was in Austria. I know I got proposed to on a castle that was from 700 AD, which was just super amazing. They've turned it into some giant, like, almost theme park thing. But back then, it was a it was a ruin, and we used to go up and drink and, and watch the, you know, the first star come out and make a wish on it. So, but it was just, like, that was literally, like, one of the most difficult heartbreaks to, you know, say, well, I need to go get my college degree, and if it's meant to be, I'll come back, and if it's not, then I won't, and obviously, I did not but it's still, you're right. It's the kind of stuff. And then I did get in contact with him last year um, and he's an arts dealer. He has a, a really beautiful art gallery. And um, he basically said that he came to the United States a few times and looked for me and you know we had lost contact, but it's still in a lot of parts of the world, you can't just look someone up by email address or, or by other things like that. There's still a lot of parts, even in Europe that you can't look people up because they're just not connected to the internet. So you know, we are in a parallel universe, so to speak, which is actually really cool. But again, that also means that if we're in a parallel universe, it also means we also have the ability and the right every single moment. That's why that freedom to choose product was called freedom to choose. Every moment we have the freedom to choose what our vibration level is. We get to choose how we want to react to certain things. And it still is a free will universe. 
And knowing that, and knowing that most people do live in the land of rules, I heard yesterday that only 2% of people actually read self-help books or personal growth. Yeah. Like the rest of the population does not. And yeah. that was something that was for the people I said that to, they're like 2%. Because like for us, you know, Mind Valley is and, and Best You and those kind of things, you know, we're all about it because we're in that kind of an environment. But for people who are not inside of it, they're like, what's Mind Valley? But then once they find it, they're like, oh my God, why didn't I know about this before? Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I, I think it's important to recognize the bravery once you realize you have a choice about the people you surround yourself, the uh, media you watch, the movies you watch, what you read yep. and what you think and what you say and what you act. Yep. That actually then adds the responsibility because before you weren't responsible because you didn't have a choice. Now mm -hmm. that you realize you have a choice, you're actually responsible for all, the, all of this mm -hmm. and you're responsible for everything you did, said and thought before. Mm -hmm. So now it's, it's a brave step to understand that and to actually accept it because once you do, then you become responsible. But you also, it's empowering from the other perspective because you are, now you have the choice you have the choice how you want to feel um you know and this is where i think uh, the the idea of uh, reality being an illusion comes from you know we can have the same experience but our individual experience is going to be very different our totally. perspective yep. is going to be totally different so what is reality then you know, yep. my experience of this ta uh, table I'm sitting by is totally different from someone else's experience of it. Yeah, it's a solid object. We might both agree on that. Someone else might not agree on that. So mm -hmm. therefore, you know, what is real? Who determines what's real? And this is the same with the, if you take something like truth, for example. Who determines what's true? You know, it is a paradox. And I think once you get to grips with that and understanding with that, then the rules of the world and the bullshit rules, they become less fixed. They just become fluid and you can take them, you can leave them, whatever you want to do, it's your choice. Um, and that's uh, what I understand, you know, bending reality. That's when you start bending reality because it's all, flexible it's all fluid it doesn't have to be within the rigid frameworks of uh, society um, because every aspect of society you know it's like this whole idea of uh, the the pandemic you know you have the two uh, polarizing opposites you know the uh, anti-vaxxers you have the people that are against the <laughs> the uh uh, face masks and then you have those that you know hate the other ones because you know you're being irresponsible boy if you don't have your face mask i looked at this whole mess when it happened uh, started happening in uh, march and i started to kind of get wrapped into it and i was like no 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 hold on a second here if i apply if i go into this energy then i'm just contributing to the the negativity of it and r rather than doing that, I'm just going to allow it to be and be compassionate about 
you know, everybody's experience and allow everybody to have the experience they have. And when we come out of it, hopefully I can share my experience and share, share the growth I've had taking a completely different perspective from mm-hmm. what, uh, everybody else who's had this kind of fear-based idea of whether it's fearing, uh, you know, conspiracy theories or fearing, you know, the vaccines or fearing the, 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 uh, the uh, virus or whatever it may be. The fear is what creates that energy. And if I step aside and I say, no, I don't need to engage in that fear. I can, I can engage in my compassion and then people can see that. And I be, if I can become a role model, then I can help other people get away from that fear, right? Well, and that's something that in March, honestly, initially I had these just like, I would say they were almost like fear, fear balls. They were just like, almost like fiery ice of where it was like, it was all I could do to try to clear those. But then I decided that I just said, okay, I'm going to continue clearing these, but how can I now be of service in some way? So when a lot of things started getting very strange, um, I ended up forming a neighborhood watch community and I partnered with the local law enforcement, the city, et cetera. Um, We got full uh, support and with that. And now we're at a place of where we don't have any incidences of anything. Everything's totally chill. Uh, we've got 39 people that are on the committee. I don't have to run anything, but it was being fearless in that sense of where if all of us are all looking out for each other as a collective and we're all taking care of each other as a collective and we don't make it someone else's responsibility or something else like that, how can we make it a better place for everyone? And it ended up becoming so much calmer and the people that you know were up to no good realized that this wasn't the place to, to come to because you know they, these people were paying attention. And that was the very best thing in knowing that um, that was literally within three to four weeks was completely halted of where things were kind of devolving into chaos and it doesn't exist anymore. And I can't even, you know, it was eight months ago that we had last any kind of a problem. So that's yeah. the beauty of that where you, you also, I'm a good organizer in that sense, but also having the vision to state that, you know, this isn't political, this isn't about this, this is just about, let's just make sure that we all keep each other you know, like we just watch out for each other and, and take care of each other to the best of our ability while this is going on. And then all of that abated. It was just like, I, I just found that it just kind of left. And that was, that was a beautiful thing to behold because you're right. Sitting there, you know, with like grips of, of fear is like, I mean, you can't live like that. Your body shoots all this, this horrible, you know, chemicals of cortisol and adrenaline in your body. And it taxes your lymphatic system. It taxes, you know, all of the, your, what are they? Um, there's another system as well that oftentimes can get totally shot as well. And it's like, those are the kind of things that you, you don't want to be in a fight or flight all the time. You want to be in the flow of this is the situation, but now what am I going to do about it? Am I going to choose to you know cry in my beer? Or am I going to choose to, you know, to make the best work I can? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, it's uh, a lot of people are going to come out of this with an understanding and an insight uh, into themselves that is going to help them in their growth. So I think it's, it has its place. So now just give me an uh, idea of uh, the best you. What, what's, what's the concept? How does it work? What's the, you know, where can people get in contact with you? Where can they uh, find out more about uh, best you? 
Best view is trying to live your best life financially, personal growth wise, business wise. Um, people like Jack, Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup for the Soul, um, Matthew Knowles, that's that um, Beyonce Knowles' dad. He was the um, the or the agent for Earth, Wind, and Fire back in the 70s. So he talks about really good leadership practices. Um, you have people like Sharon Lecter. Now you've got Ken Honda coming on board. You've got Lisa Nichols. Um, a lot of it's empowering women. A lot of it is um, fostering entrepreneurship of people, but it's really focusing on your best you version. And Bernardo has come up with this phenomenal reinvented concept of having the best you TV channel, which is going to be like a Netflix for personal growth, 24 hours on demand. And so there'll be different channels. Um, I'm going to be featured in one of his best you expo series that he's doing himself, um, where he's going to interview me for a 55 minute uh, episode. And I'm really excited about that part. And then from there, I plan on having, um, I have a greenlit TV show to be able to also, that'll start probably in March or April um, of where I'm just gonna find all sorts of amazing people to, to interview from around the world. I mean, even the Vita Jewel um, gem pod water bottles that I, I love to drink out of, et cetera. They're I think in Switzerland and Austria, I would love to just ask them like, how did you get the impression of how to make these beautiful, like, I mean, they have certain, gem pods for love, for success, for this, for that. But I find the frequency of them is so pleasing and the taste is almost completely different than normal water. So I, you know, I just keep thinking, oh, you know, I know this person and I this person as well. And I could shine a light on this person, et cetera, et cetera. So from that perspective, um, that would be almost probably 30 episodes. And it just has to, you know, all of the things, just this timing of everything kind of coming together. Um, and then for me, my plan is to really speak to, you know, my elevator speech that I state is that my goal is to help people fall in love with themselves, reanimate their dreams that thought had died, and also to become the VIP of their own life. Because when you have self-love, that's also that compassion. You forgive yourself for anything that, you know, of the prior version of yourself that you were. And then you step into the best version of yourself that you always imagined. And by stepping into that best version, you allow other people to also have permission to step into their best selves. And so it's almost like a replicatable thing of where if everyone's really focusing on their highest potential, you get a room of people like that in, a, in an auditorium of a thousand of them all doing the same thing. It just creates this network that's amazing. And I know Vision did that with AFEST. Um, I know I was at Mind Valley Live in February and it was just being around some of the coolest people. There wasn't an ego in sight. Everybody was totally accessible and friendly and happy to see everybody. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And so to me, this is, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Mindvalley and Best You end up working together because there's a lot of cross-pollination of different yeah. speakers, different things that they have very similar ideologies. And, um, you know, it would be cool that, you know, like Vision could have a Best You or he could have a Best You Mindvalley channel, you know, or different things like that. So it's mm -hmm. like, honestly, all of this is completely unlimited. And, um, and my stuff will be available 24 hours a day for, you know, for years to come online on demand. So, I mean, that's, that's the best part in being able to have people have access to personal growth things that are, you know, cutting edge. And for me, I'm, my email is intuitivebarbie1 at gmail.com. And um, I am developing a website, but again, that's been one of my kind of brules thing that's been pretty amazing is that I'm not out in social media. I'm not out there posting all the time because I think there's an energy that gets put off by that. That is also like, I'm not against marketing or advertisement, but I think this whole pitching things with, um, if you need the money, people can feel it. 
You know what I mean? There's a hungriness, there's a thirstiness, a desperation that comes off of it. And I did see some of the big names during the summertime. You could tell their energy had shifted. It wasn't all about abundance and greatness and things like that. It was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm picking up on this. But that's why it was so amazing to watch all of these amazing people. Because by being able to look at all of their different journeys, you then become an amalgamation of all the things that you've learned. And then you put your own secret sauce on it. Yeah. And once you do that, that's your own version of it. But it's yeah. the same thing like Christy Marie Sheldon does the what would it takes. Reverend Michael does the law of resonance of why am I so amazing? So between the two of those, Vision's now created the lofty questions, but it's why am I so amazing? Why am I so, you know, attracting all the great people that want to work with me, et cetera. So he yeah. took two people's concepts and he mishmashed them together and he created a new thing and it works for him. So that's the part about where, you know, I would say, you know, take the best and leave the rest. Well, and I think that's what we do. We take all the best thing or the things that work for us after a while, we create our own system and yep. then, then suddenly we unlock something and we go, this was fantastic. I need to tell the mm -hmm. world about this. Mm -hmm. And that's when you come out with your own unique, you're mm -hmm. not here to redo the same thing that you've no. done before. You're here to present, uh, a unique new system for uh, evolution and for enlightenment and for uh, self-actualization and so forth. You're bringing the new you to, to the, the stage as it were. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely amazing the journey that you've had and going back to uh, uh, January this year, would you, would you have uh, realized and foreseen that you would be where you are today with the opportunities and, everything that you've experienced in the past year in the, no, year, I, in the year where everybody said that, Oh my God, the opportunities are so limited. Well, that's the part about having manifested 60,000 extra dollars in a pandemic. It was like, okay. And then helping other people to manifest money at the same time. And then having other people manifest other things as well. It was like, I, we were all kind of experimenting at the same time to try to see, you know, but it's also that suspension of disbelief. That's one mm -hmm. of the most important things. If you believe that this is a table and that it's totally solid, et cetera, it's a table and it's totally solid. But when you believe that it's actually holograph and it's quantum physics and it's really actually not here, but it's technically, it is here, but it's not here. Then you see things from a different perspective. And last year around August, September, I just thought to myself, I can't live like this anymore. I just, you know, is there something, something else, something, you know, and I just kept saying to myself or hearing, you know, 2020 is going to be different. 2020 is going to be different. And then I was doing the life book and listening to John and Missy talk about all the cool things that they were doing. And then from there, it was just like, okay, what's next? And the, the best part is that a lot of these things are 15, 20 minutes. They're little bite-sized things. They're not, you know, movies and, and 10 courses. They're things you can do bite-sized, et cetera. But the first three weeks, I listened to Christy Marie Sheldon's Unlimited Abundance for 24 hours for three weeks on a loop in my kitchen. I did not allow it to turn off at all because I kept hearing Marissa Pierce say, 21 days is how long it takes for you to re rewire your brain for success. So I decided, and there were times where I'd wake up in the middle of the night, 2 a.m. being like, oh my God, I wish you would stop talking because my little self was resisting it. But it was like, nope, just keep letting it come in, keep, keep letting it come in. And ultimately it's like, you just continue allowing all these positive things, positive things, positive, not spiritual bypass. I do not believe in spiritual bypass. You no. have to face your demons. You have to face your shadow. You cannot do spiritual bypass. But as you're doing all that kind of stuff, 
you're you're allowing all this new stuff you're shedding all this old stuff and then you're creating this brand new version of yourself that's like shiny and new and from there it, it just i've always wanted to help the world i mean i've always wanted to give to people it's it's my nature i i get you know they they call it the happy drug when you give something away and people appreciate it and i think because i've had so many incarnations like in this lifetime for me a lot of things ended up being that i had so many great experiences that everything became kind of a rerun mm. so now all of this is brand new material that's the best part it's like Exciting i'm not stuff. bored yeah, it's, this is all a whole new thing, but I've been ready for it. And that's why I started out talking to you about the fact that at seven years old, I'm standing there in my mom's high heels and my little Nike on with my baseball bat singing to thousands of people because it's like, you know, my little self knew that someday something like this was going to happen. It just took a hell of a lot of time. And as I told you on your podcast before, I actually in some ways have to thank all the people that were really hard on me because they allowed me to really, really, I mean, I feel in some ways like my whole experience has been like a glacier. It just continues to cut through the mountain. And it's just like, I'm, we're coming through. It's, yeah. it's just coming through. Well, that, and that's, that's the gratitude aspect of it. You know, it's the, I believe every experience, if, or rather I believe that life is the only constant in life are experiences. Those are the only thing that is not uh, fleeting or impermanent. Um, so when we approach each uh, experience, and uh, you've heard me talk about this ad nauseum, uh, you know, it's the approachable compassion, accept it for what it is, be grateful for the lessons, and forgive yourself and everybody involved. If you do that, then you can release all the emotional attachments uh, with the experience, and you can take it forward and you can make it into your friend and your, your ally and make it an instant asset to become a better, the best or optimal version of yourself. Right. Yeah. And then if you have an opportunity to, like I said, I mean, I just like, I, I admire Elon Musk so much with his vision, with everything. I mean, it's like, again, and then the fact is that to me, you know, I don't, I don't, it's not about the money and it's not about any of that kind of stuff. But to me, it's just like talking about the idea of an AI simulation and how he looks at his reality in that sense, that would be a mind bending, amazing conversation to have. And ultimately it's also, again, like we talked about access, the more access that you have to be able to be parked in front of people that need to hear what you have to say, those things and opportunities continue to go into a crescendo. So if I can go into like, you know, a clearing with 500 people who have all these different businesses, multinational that are all trickling down into all these different places, and I can sing the hue with them and center their business thing and get them in the right frame of mind. And then they go out and they have all this inspiration and creativity. It's no different than being in a group of, I don't know, 12, you know, people in the local, you know, like, better business bureau. It's, it's no different. You're just mm -hmm. having access to different people at a different level. And all of them are still their 12 year old little selves too. You know, all of them are still dealing with all of their stuff when they were the, you know, I mean, Vision talks about being, being bullied and having pimples and, you know, being a lonely kid and things like that. So for him, it was his pain that also created this vision for the rest of the world. And in some ways it's that it, that's the beauty of like the Buddha, you know, the Bodhi tree sitting under there and just saying like, you know, I just need to look at it from a different perspective yeah. and he gave everything up. So it's, it's, it's the, the contrast of things of where, 
a lot of those experiences really, really propel you to make a sharp turn in a way of where your whole life pivots and it can be illness, death, war, famine, you know, it just depends on what it is. But I think now people are, are solving problems that never existed before and we're going into a really exciting time. But that's why I like someone like Vision who is going to be the steward of looking at augmented like uh, intelligence from a conscious way, because you can also see that can go in a very dark way as well. So it's almost like that Star Wars Jedi Sith Lord type of thing too, of where, you know, when you always work for the light, the light will continue to go. You need to yeah. keep on focusing on being the Jedi and not ever allowing yourself to become Darth Vader who gets turned to the dark side. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And it's, uh, it's if you, once you find these paths that you can uh, travel down uh, it's it's really having that trust and uh, faith in that you are on the right track and you are doing because you know the the quote-unquote <laughs> dark side can be in uh, shrouded in light as well mm-hmm. um, and uh, so it's just having that faith and trust that your intuition is going to take you down the exact route that you need to go down in order to uh, learn what you need to learn in this lifetime. So, and I think on that note, uh, we've, uh, we could talk for days, but <laughs> at this point, I think, <laughs> I think we, we, we uh, set ourselves up to uh, have another chat another day and uh, let's London. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah. Uh, uh, Barbie and I, I will be Barbie's guest at uh, Be Good, uh, oh sorry, Be Best You in uh, London and uh, so I will uh, put all that information on the website uh, for anybody who wants to join in to access. So uh, hopefully I will have the pleasure of having you again, come and join me here and uh, have more discussions about you know, how we bend reality and how we can make the world a better place. So thank you very much, Bobby. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And I would also just like to really commend you on your journey and all the amazing things that you're doing too. I know that you've really stepped out on a limb by doing this, but I also know this is your, this is your passion project of being able to bring these concepts to people as well. So I just, um, I want to also invite you to look at where you're going to be in the future, because this right now for you is just the beginning Mm-hmm. And that is such a beautiful thing to watch your ascension um, of being a rocket as I'm ascending and all the people that we're working on or with are, are as well. And so that's, that's just something beautiful. So light ahead on your journey that it's completely, um, you know, with grace and ease and for the highest good of all concerned. Thank you very much. And uh, for you too. Thank you Thank very you. much. Bye now. Was that awesome or what? I hope you now see the uh, possibilities that you could have by seeing the world from a different perspective and uh, start bending reality to your will as well. If you want to learn more about me or Barbie, you go to thealchemyexperience.co.uk where you will find uh, the show notes on this show and also a bunch of recorded guided meditations information on how to work with me as a coach and loads of other useful stuff for your growth and personal development if you enjoyed this show please don't uh, forget to subscribe and uh, join us in our next episode for now take care
and go forth and be radical.